Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, Dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger Podcast. So today we have another solo and you guys really sent in so many different questions and topics that you wanted me to cover. So again, I'm just going to go into the most popular ones that I've been asked about over and over again. And I think I'm going to start with moving to LA slash like moving in general. So the general question and like, I guess like topics around this that I have gotten are things like how, what's been your experience? What's it like to move? Do you recommend moving? Like, et cetera, et cetera. And I have a lot to say about this topic. So here's the thing. When I've kind of grown up moving my whole life. So just to give you guys a little bit of background, I moved from, I, I was born in Dhaka, Bangladesh, moved from there to Toronto when I was in second grade, was in Toronto until high school. Then I moved to Dhaka, did high school there. Then I moved to Toronto on my own for college, did my post-grad in London in the UK, and then moved back to Toronto. So you can see from like my whole I guess, like life, that moving has been this thing that I've just kind of done. And I think that in my 20s, I feel like moving was one of the most beneficial things that I did. So, you know, first I moved for college and lived in Toronto on my own away from my family. And then again, after graduating from college, I moved to do my postgrad in London. And the reason I am such a big advocate of moving is because I think it allowed me to develop my own identity. So I really got to know myself. And I think that by moving around and just pushing myself to be in different environments, it allowed me to be very malleable 
very adaptable and also just be really confident in who I was because I didn't always have all these friendships to fall back on. I had to kind of be quick to adapt to whatever environment I was in. I became really comfortable speaking to different types of people, putting myself in situations where, I don't know, like even if it was uncomfortable or I didn't know anyone in a room, these things just never bothered me. And I think the reason... I I became like that or I had to be like that was because I moved. And so I think that moving in your 20s is one of these like really formative things. So, you know, if you if you guys are in your 20s and are even considering moving, I think that psychologically it just does something to you. Not to mention, I think that in our 20s, we look for novelty in our lives. And I think that we should seize every opportunity to experience things that we won't be able to experience at a later age. So, for example, Now that I'm in my 30s, my life is just inherently different. You know, I run a business. I am married. Like there's things that I have to consider outside of myself when I make decisions. And so having these experiences in my 20s was absolutely critical to who I am as an individual, which brings me to moving to L.A. in my 30s. Now, I think that if I hadn't had this experience or these experiences moving around and being malleable in my 20s, I don't think that I would have been able to move with essentially like no second thought in my 30s because I have friends who've, you know, lived in one place for their whole life. And when it comes to moving, it it's like a big thing in their brain. And both Nish and I, like Nish as well, grew up moving his whole life. Like he's lived in like, I think, eight different places if I'm or six different places, if I'm cr- counting correctly. He was born in Norway, lived in Kuwait, Oman, Calgary, Toronto, literally all over the place. And so for both of us, when it came to moving, it was like nothing that was intimidating us or something that we were afraid to do just because we knew that whatever environment we were thrown into, we would just kind of like swim. So here are my kind of tips if you are moving to a new city and kind of what my experience has been. So first and foremost, I think that it will inherently take time to identify and make really good friends. So friend making friends is like dating. You have to kind of go on friend dates with a lot of people and you will find people who you really jive with, who you know that you'll just end up being really good friends with. And that's happened to me, you know, like where when I initially got to LA, I was saying yes to everything, you know, like anything that I'd be invited to I'd go. And even though it's like tempting sometimes to stay at home and do your own thing, I think it's really important when you move to a new city not to sink into your old routine that you did do when you were in a place that was your home and you had a whole life there, but rather embrace where you're at and the fact that you're in this new environment and, you know, like actually take the time to put yourself in new experiences. That's the only way that you're going to make friends. And the other thing is that I think that you need to be in a given place for at least six months to really get your footing. So that is, I think, the bare minimum time that you will need to actually start to build like strong relationships, not just surface level crap, but like actually strong relationships where you really get to know like new friends and like make new friends and establish meaningful relationships. It's also the amount of time that I think is required to really get to know a city and to really like find your spots and like really build a routine that serves you. So I feel like no matter what you can't, like when you first move to a city, if it feels intimidating, that's fine. It's normal that it'll feel really big. 
But as you start to acclimate to the new city and like give it some time, it will start to feel a lot more small and more doable. With all that being said, I think that something that served me during this move has been that number one, I've always said yes to things. I've always been open to experiences and that's kind of just allowed me to make friends easier. Now, when it comes to this topic, something that I'm asked often is how do you network? And I'm not a big fan of that word, if I'm being honest, because it kind of brings up this like cringy social climbing vibe, which I don't think anyone should be doing. But I think when it comes to instead of calling the word networking, let's just say making friends slash building relationships. Okay, so I think there's something that everyone here should consider. I think that when people think of networking or building relationships, a lot of people think that they have to aim up. So, you know, try to make relationships or create sorry, create relationships with people who are like doing 100 times better than you. And I think that it's really, really important to make friends laterally. So what I mean by this is find people who are, you know, in parallel industries or kind of like doing something that's interesting, but they're kind of like around the same level that you're at or like maybe a little bit above while you're making friends. And the reason I say that is because I think that when you're in a high powered career or you're a founder, it can be very isolating and making friends laterally ensures that you have people to go to when number one, like things go wrong or to celebrate wins in life. Like, I think that that's just really important to have a good group of people that you can go to. And You know, I know that when I was younger, I would look at brands like Away or Glossier or even like Vogue. And I would constantly question like, oh, my God, how is it that all of these people, like all of these successful people are at the same place at the same time? Like, how is it that all of these like big photographers and editors know each other? How is it that like the top founders at Glossier and Away, how do they know each other? And like, I would just ask myself these questions. And it wasn't that like, you know, one fine day they all came together. It was because everyone kind of grew their careers all at once. Okay. And so then you just kind of start to get to know people. And so that's what I mean about creating friendships and relationships laterally. I think then you can grow together with your friends and then you have like people you can lean on for resources. So, you know, networking is obviously like a a question that I get asked or like, how do you make your friends, blah, blah, blah. That's what I would say. And in terms of mechanisms to make friends again say yes to everything use instagram if you have instagram reach out to people people are very very friendly and very kind so i feel like for me if i was friends with someone on instagram i dm them being like let's get coffee or if i was invited to a lunch or a dinner and it was like with a big group of other women or people who I found cool, then like I'd always make it a point to get their number and like make it a point to meet up with them afterwards to get to know them. So just things like that. Again, I think at the end of the day, it's putting yourself out there. And if someone doesn't answer you, like what's the worst that can happen? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't mean anything. Like don't take it personally. Just put yourself out there. And I think that you will make friends. 
Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Okay, so jumping from this to more fashion things. So these are questions that are kind of like FAQs that I get from you guys a lot. And a few people recommended that I do two specific topics around fashion. Number one is clearing out my closet, what I, how I decide what to keep and what to give away. So it was an interesting exercise moving my things from Toronto to LA because I know that the bulk majority of things are things that I'm just going to give away because, you know, my style has evolved. Everything has evolved. You know, where I buy clothing from has evolved because the things that are in storage are or went into storage in Toronto were like things that I'd bought in my 20s. And I just think that you just kind of evolve when you're in your 30s. Obviously, not everyone's situation is like this. So here's what I personally do. If I haven't worn something in six plus months, obviously seasonality doesn't count, but six plus months, like say, for example, it's summer and it's been summer and I don't wear something summery for six whole months. That means I'm never going to wear it and I'm just going to give it away. And I think as I've grown older, something that I really value is less things, but more that are high quality. So I don't really shop from a lot of like super fast fashion places anymore. I like to make sure that everything that I buy is super timeless. I want to make sure that things that I'm adding to my closet, I can wear with like a whole bunch of different things. So that's kind of how I'm making my purchasing decisions. So you can see if you watch this on video on YouTube, I'm wearing like this top, which is like a linen top with buttons. And it's it's like a pretty like neutral, nice top. I can style this with literally anything. It's a really good neutral basic piece, which is really easy to style with other things. Similarly, I'm wearing a white satin skirt. Again, like, yes, white satin maxi skirts are in style right now. But even if it's not as relevant from a fashion standpoint, it's always something that's going to be a good basic to own. So I can pair it with like sweaters in the winter. That's what I did while I was in New York. I can pair it with like, you know, t-shirts. There's like a hundred different ways that I can wear these things. So that's kind of what I would say. Clear out your closet based on what you feel yourself wearing over and over again. And the other thing is that sometimes I notice this with myself where say I'd buy something or I bought something from like not a, like, like not a super high quality piece of clothing. And it was like years ago and I've not been wearing it very much. I still want something along those lines. And then I go and buy something that's like way more high quality. Still that look, but like something that I'm actually actually, you know what? I'm just going to give you guys an example. Okay. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I bought this like fuzzy ish white sweater and it was from, I believe, H&M. Okay. And it's a cute sweater, but I never found the fit to be as flattering as I'd want it to be. But it was like conceptually a really cute sweater. And so I kept it and I've worn it throughout here and there, like, you know, whenever it's been winter. And then I went to New York a few weeks ago and I went into the Totem store and found this gorgeous, stunning, like I cannot even tell you, I saw this sweater. It was 
this like creamy white oversized alpaca blend sweater, which had a very similar concept to the one that I'd bought from H&M, but completely different fit, quality, look, everything about it was different. Just conceptually, it was the same. And I obviously I bought that sweater from Totem. I cannot stop wearing it. It is absolutely stunning. But I I came back and I saw that white one that I had from H&M and I was like, what do I do with this? Like, do I keep wearing it? I'm not going to wear it anymore. And so I decided I'm just going to give it away. It's going to go to someone who like will love it and will wear it because if I'm not 100% happy with how it fits me, then it's not something that I should have in my closet. Like what is it doing sitting there? Like, like I don't need to hoard all this stuff. So that is kind of how I structure what I keep and what I'm going to give away. And sometimes if I do have to upgrade something that I have for something nicer, I'm just going to give away the thing that was not as nice that I needed to replace. Like, I'm not going to keep both things because let's be real. If I'm going to pick one of those things, I'm obviously going to pick the nicer one in my closet. And so what am I doing keeping the older one for? And I think not being too precious about your clothing, like, let's be real, like, it's just clothes. It's just material things. And if I learned one thing about putting things into storage, I put everything into storage. And it's funny because now that, you know, it it had been in in storage for like two years while we were moving, I don't have any more emotional attachment to those things anymore. And I'm like, why was I hoarding all of these things to begin with? And so it's just something to think about what, because I think when we have clothes in our closet, we just tend to, I don't know, like form this weird emotional bond and like, it's just material things at the end of the day. And if you do decide to give it away, it's going to serve someone who's really going to love it and is going to want to wear it. So yes, those are my tips. Okay. Another big one was handbag recommendations. Now I'm going to preface this part of the conversation by saying that, you know, I don't want people to feel like they need to be buying super expensive things because for the longest time I absolutely didn't. And I still have like a good mix of high low things. That's kind of like how I structure my entire wardrobe. Now, something that I got asked was which handbags do I think are worth it and which ones I do not think are worth it. Honestly speaking, you guys, like I'm really, really... I I just don't buy things that I don't think are worth it. Like, as I said, with all my clothes, I buy things that I can style a hundred different ways. I currently buy things that I know I'll have in my closet for years to come. Like, these are not things that I want to throw away or exchange. Like, I'm just currently in the process of building my closet in a way that I know I'll just get to build on and continue to pair in different ways. That being said, handbag recommendations. I love basics, okay? Things that I have felt are worth it is first like a really good black handbag that you can wear all the time. The one that I have is a Saint Laurent one. I bought it in or actually Anish got it for me as a present in 2019. It still looks brand new. You've probably seen me wear it on Instagram. And honestly, it doesn't have to be Saint Laurent, obviously, like buy whatever brand you want. But a high quality black handbag that you can pair with everything from like a dress to jeans. My one is like, I would say a midsize. It's something that I can either put across my shoulder so I can wear it as a crossbody or the straps kind of like go around two loops so I can also put it on my shoulder and it's like a little bit shorter. So comfortable to wear both ways. A good high quality tote. I bought a really nice one a few years ago. Also Saint Laurent. It's like my, like the tote that I carry my laptop in. I travel with this. 
and it, like it's it's like doubles as like a good tote for when I'm going to the beach. Like it's just an easy thing that I throw around and don't feel bad about it. Another good one is if you are going to get the Bottega Jody, I actually really love the mini Jody. I think that's what it's called. I have it in a dark green because I think that in my opinion, a dark green is actually a neutral. And I think it's like a fun kind of neutral. It fits a lot. And so I definitely think that that bag is worth it. And then on top of that, let me think of other ones that I live and die for. Obviously, like a good cream colored handbag is a good one to have. I have to be very careful with any of my cream slash like colored bags because I don't want it to stain and I'm just not someone who's super, super careful. So I only whip out the cream one when I am going like, I don't know, like from my car to dinner. I'm not going to take it out for like long days or anything like that. And then like if you want like, you know, some fun, like fun seasonal sort of bags that you'll wear in the winter or the summer or whatever it is. Like I got one, like the tiny little one from Marnie, which has been all over Instagram. Like don't like like I've just seen it everywhere. I have that little one. I think it's really cute for the summer. It was it was just like a good fun purchase. So I feel like picking like one or two that are like strictly for the summer or the winter. I think that that's just like fun accessory things, you know, and like, yeah, just like that's like extras. But first, build your basics. That's what I would say. Okay, moving on. Favorite jewelry brands. Okay, so I, as you know, if you've ever seen a picture of me or have watched me video during podcasts, I am like I'm big on jewelry. I love good gold jewelry. Okay, not always real gold, but like, you know, gold colored. So the things that I wear constantly every single day are my three bracelets from Ring Concierge. Two of them were from my mother-in-law. I absolutely love them. And one of them is a tennis bracelet that I got for myself. So these are the three things that I have on my wrist at all times. I never take it off. I sleep with it. I'm obsessed with it. Obviously, my engagement ring, it is from Blue Boho. It is a beautiful like small boutique jewelry store in Toronto. My engagement ring for those of you guys who are wondering is a one of a kind sapphire with two small diamonds on the side. I love this ring. I think that it's unique and I just fell in love with it when I saw it. And I'm so glad that Nish got it for me. So those are like my everyday jewelry things. Other jewelry brands that I'm obsessed with, obviously already mentioned Ring Concierge. Love Shashi for, it's it's on Revolve. It's for like more, it's like costume jewelry, but like high quality. So like the gold doesn't tarnish or anything like that. I have a bunch of their pieces there. Hoops are really beautiful. I've bought jewelry to wear like for my friend's weddings from there. It's a really, really good, like solid brand that will not rec- that, that will not disappoint you. Another brand that I am obsessed with for jewelry, I'm actually wearing three of their pieces. So if you see this, these two rings and my hoop earrings are all from We Were What. This was a jewelry drop that she did recently. And I think she's going to keep doing jewelry drops. But I know that those things kind of sell out. But if you do see a jewelry drop from We Were What, I highly recommend you shop it because it's quite inexpensive and very, very high quality. Like, at, like as soon as I put these three rings on, like in the middle, like my middle finger, I'm actually wearing a real diamond ring. And let me tell you, like these like these two pieces from We Wore What are like really, really high quality and they don't look like at all cheap compared to my literal real diamond ring. Okay, another great brand for costume jewelry, Electric Picks. 
again, doesn't tarnish. I have a ton of their pieces, always reliable, always get compliments on it. A lot of my hoop earrings and just like earrings in general are from there. Another great brand, Missouri, have a lot of rings from them. Not a lot of earrings, but just like good quality rings. Again, I'm only recommending brands that don't tarnish and look super, super high quality. Another good one, Jennifer Bear. It's spelled B-E-H-R. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Oh my God, you guys, I got a pair of earrings from this brand for the summer. They're these shell-shaped earrings with like three little pearls and it looks like literally a uh, shell, like an open shell with three pearls in it. I'm obsessed with it. It's really high quality. I've taken it into the ocean as I've swam and doesn't tarnish, just beautiful. All right, from there, makeup must-haves. Okay, so I owe you guys a reel on how I do my makeup. This is a big request, and I honestly just haven't gotten down to doing it, but I'm just going to list them out for you guys in case you do decide to go buy them, and I'm going to make sure that we link out to these products in the show notes as well. So I am obsessed with the Supergoop Tinted Sunscreen. I always have it on. I have it on as a base. Honestly speaking, on most days, I I wouldn't even need to put foundation on top. So my everyday, like very chill makeup routine is typically the goop sunscreen, the tinted sunscreen. Then I have concealer on, which is currently NARS, but I also really love the Dior Show concealer as well. And then the nude sticks all over face color. I put my makeup brush directly on the nude stick product, and then I just like brush it on my cheeks. It gives you this like really beautiful natural glow. So love those three products for when I need a little bit of makeup on my face, but don't want to go the full like the whole way, you know, just like a little bit of like a wake up vibe. Okay. On days where I'm doing a more full makeup vibe, which is right now, (laughs) I'm wearing a full face of makeup. I usually start always with the Supergoop sunscreen, obviously, because we want sunscreen on our face. Or if I don't want any sense, like, like, if I don't want any coloring as the base, then I'll do the Summer Fridays sunscreen as well. Also excellent. Doesn't make me break out. That one is not tinted. So it's just like a good neutral sunscreen completely. Then I love the glaze, oops, the glaze, the Say Glowy Super Gel in the shade Sun Glow. This one gives me a really nice bronzy undertone. It is really beautiful. You can also just use it as a highlighter on like the high points of your face if you really want to, but I actually like to have it fully under my Armani Luminous Silk Foundation. I am obsessed with this foundation. I've been using it I think since it's like 2016, I've been using this foundation. I really love it. It looks like your skin. It's very light. I'm not someone who loves a ton of coverage. I feel like I just want something that's lightweight and breathable. And the Armani Luminous Silk Foundation is exactly that. It just looks like your own skin, but better. So another really good product in the foundation slash tinted moisturizer category is the G Beauty Prime Skin. This again looks like your skin but better it is very light minimal coverage but gives you exactly what you need for like a glow which is how i personally like to do my makeup then in the blush category i cannot say enough good things about the patrick ta blush it's like a duo blush so there's a powder and a cream and how i personally do my makeup is actually a trick that i learned from patrick ta on tiktok 
first I use the powder blush and then afterwards I do the cream blush on top because I feel like it gives me a really nice glow and it makes my skin look like skin. On that same note, love the Laura Mercier translucent setting powder. I just use it on my under eyes and I, in terms of like steps for makeup, I do the powder blush first, then I set my under eye and then I go over top with the cream blush. So just so if you want to know like the real details. Obsessed with the Charlotte Tilbury contour wand. Cannot say enough good things about this product. I am on, I think my fourth wand. It is the only product I use for contouring. I just think it like looks like your own skin and it blends really beautifully with this product. Less is more. My only one complaint with this product is they really need to fix their packaging. It's a little bit messy. It kind of like leaks. So you want to make sure that you're twisting it on and off when you're using it because otherwise it's going to be a whole mess. All right, brows. Make Beauty Brow Gel, amazing clear brow gel, just really holds your brows in place. Listen, the the soap brows and all of this, this shit doesn't work on me. I need something serious. And so this is the one. Refi also has a really good brow situation. I use that for a long time, but right now I'm not coloring my brows in. I'm just using a clear brow gel. And so that's why I'm obsessed with Make. Mascara, love either Ilia or Tower 28. And also I'm currently wearing the YSL Lash Clash Extreme Volume, which I've been loving. It was sent to me. Highly, highly recommend. I'd been using Ilia and Tower 28 for years, but just like the YSL one is something that I've been really loving. Love the Charlotte Tilbury Eyeliner in brown. And okay, look, I'm again, a very low maintenance girly, so I don't typically wear eyeshadow, but... I got these three eyeshadows from Rare Beauty. Okay, it's the Rare Beauty Weightless Eyeshadow Sticks in the shades Wellbeing, Compassion, and Contentment. And you guys, this thing is so easy to apply. You just put it on your lids in like the most messy fashion. You blend it. One of them, like the lighter one, I forget which which shade it is. It's one of these three. I put it on the corner of my eyes. It just like opens everything up. And the other two I kind of use on my the middle of my eyes and the end and it is it is like the most low maintenance way of looking high maintenance but you're not high maintenance because it takes like five seconds to do so if you're looking for good eyeshadows which are like easy peasy these are the ones for you lastly for lips the rms liner in sunset nude is incredible another like obvious one is obviously charlotte tilbury pillow talk shade medium But yeah, these are my two go-to liners. I am going to be experimenting with more, so I will keep you guys posted. But because like I'm right at the tail end of my RMS one and I'm like, it might be a good idea to like try maybe a few new ones just to have some fun. But the Sunset Nude Shade is, it just does not miss. I'm obsessed with it. And then Kosas Lip Gloss in Shade Revealed. Those are like always the two products that I have on my lips. Really, really good. All right, let's go into supplements. So... When I wake up immediately in my water, I put in the Le De Puff Drops. That is our limited edition collab with the Skinny Confidential. It's an incredible product because it helps with everything from in- inflammation to bloating to digestion. So it just gives your digestive system a kickstart in the morning. I also really like to use this product at night if I'm going out to eat or if I'm drinking, just because, again, like it really helps with inflammation. Last night I went out for sushi rice, you know, makes me look a little bit puffy. So I put it in my water like a full dropper and, you know, I was good to go. Then throughout the day, 
I came up with a supplement routine alongside my doctor. So of course, there's things that I have on my own. But the ones that I'm currently going to be talking about are very specific to me. And so I just want to preface by saying that because I know you guys are interested and I want to give you guys the information. But I worked to design a very specific supplement plan for me. So I am currently taking three supplements from the brand Life Force, which I am a huge fan of. Okay, high, high, high quality, you know, uh, formulations, really efficacious products. And I've actually seen the results show up in my blood test, which I'll get into in a second. So when I did my first round of blood tests back in May, there were a few deficiencies. First and foremost, my testosterone levels were really low. So it wasn't in the range where it was like, an absolute catastrophe, but it was like at the point where if I went any lower, I'd be in like danger zones. So my doctor recommended I start taking Life Force DHEA, which is the precursor to testosterone and test and see what happened after three months. So I have been taking or I had been taking DHA two capsules daily for three months. I recently went in to do my blood test and you guys, I was shocked to see my testosterone levels shoot up. It is now in a very healthy range, which is exactly what I want because of course testosterone does every, like it has so many functions from sex drive to your performance at the gym to cognitive abilities. So I'm really happy that I'm in a good place. So, you know, if you do see any discrepancies there with your own DHEA level, sorry, your own testosterone levels, maybe you want to discuss that with your doctor as well. Obviously, blood tests, super, super important. Just don't just go taking it because you want to. Other one, Vitamin D plus K, also from Life Force, excellent product. Again, my vitamin D levels were shockingly low. And so I started taking the Life Force D, D plus K. Again, did my blood test. Vitamin D levels have shot up to the point where I'm just going to taper it down. It's it's in a really healthy, really good range. But I was th- taking three capsules and now I'm just taking it down to one capsule. Then the Life Force Health Span, which is essentially a product which helps with everything from cholesterol levels to HRV levels. This is something that I take every single day. This is some, not something you want to take within six hours if you're going to sleep. So I will take it in the first half of the day so it doesn't impede on my sleep in the slightest. Then I'm taking Designs for Health Digestive Enzymes. I take one. And I take this specifically because it really helps me break down protein. And something that I noticed when I recently did a test was that my body doesn't as efficiently break down protein as I would like it to. And so this was, again, something that was designed by my doctor and nutritionist for me specifically. Then, again, because of another deficiency, my B vitamin levels, because I have thalassemia and I'm a South Asian woman, this can sometimes happen. My B12 levels, I believe, were like really tragically low. And so I take a B-complex blend from Designs for Health. And then I also take Glucose Supreme from Designs for Health as well. Again, this is something to help with blood glucose levels and just like the way that you are metabolizing the sugars in your food. And then because I have thalassemia, I take the Thorn Ferrosorb, which I personally think is the highest quality iron supplement that I've found. If you take iron supplements or have anemia or have that issue at all, you will know that iron supplements can sometimes cause gastric 
discomfort. So either makes you really constipated or the other way around. And nobody wants that. And the Ferrisorb is excellent because it does neither of those things. My stomach is perfect. I take it every day. It has immensely helped with everything from my energy levels to my hair because I noticed that when my thalassemia was at its worst and I just wasn't taking any iron. I was all of a sudden losing all of this hair. It was really scary. And when I, you know, started taking the supplement, it really, really, really helped with my hair as well. I barely lose any hair now and I just have a lot more energy. So highly recommended. Then in terms of my workouts, I'm going to just list my workout supplements. I take the Keon amino acids. I have it in the mango flavor. I'm obsessed with it. I have it before I work out and sometimes while I work out. So I'll just put it in some water. It's a very neutral, like, like it's like, it's a very light product. So it's not like heavy, like a protein shake. It's just light. It almost tastes like an electrolyte, very easy to consume. And the like amino acids are really great for everything from mus- muscle protein synthesis to recovery to helping you perform better at the gym. So it has a ton of benefits and I'm a big fan of this specific product. Then I really, really love creatine, which I've talked about in the past. Again, this is something that helps with your performance at the gym. It helps with cognitive function, which is something that my Actually, like both the amino acids and the creatine were recommendations from my doctor and he's like a big proponent of it. And I personally think it has really, really changed my life. And then lastly, I don't know if this falls into the supplementation category, but I'm going to put it here. I am obsessed with the element electrolytes. I really, really like them. I have it in my water maybe two to three times a day. Again, this was because I did a blood test my hydration levels were low. And so that's why I'm having more than one sachet. So everything that I've done in terms of supplementation has been like, I've worked on it. It's like a very specific plan to me. So, you know, just, I I can't say that enough. Oh, I forgot to also say I have the designs for health omega-3. Yeah, omega-3. So just fish oil, again, excellent for inflammation. Everyone's inflammation, I find that it just tends to run high because of the daily stressors of life. And so fish oil really helps with that. And then also the Symbiotica vitamin C, really excellent source of vitamin C. It's just good for the immune system. So that's something that I have every day. And then for sleep, I am obsessed with the bio-optimizers magnesium. I have that every night and I combine it with our array sleep capsules, which makes sure that I get really, really high quality sleep at night. So I want to make sure that when I wake up, I've had sufficient amounts of deep and REM sleep. And so that's kind of what I'm working towards with both the magnesium and the sleep capsules, like that cocktail blend of the two. Just I I track my sleep on my aura ring, which I'm obsessed with. And I wake up and I see my stats and it is really undeniable. And on days where I don't take those two things, it's not that my levels of deep or REM sleep are bad by any means, but it like it really, really makes a difference. And even when I'm on flights, I feel like it makes a huge difference. Like my deep sleep on flights, which is like, you know, a near impossible task is like so, so, so good. So these are like my absolute go to's. And then on days where I have eaten maybe something that is disagreeing with my stomach or maybe too much of it, obviously bloat capsules. And I have are calm capsules on days where I'm doing podcast interviews or I have a big meeting and I take that in the morning as well. Okay. Another thing and the last thing I think I'm going to touch on during this inner this interview, the solo is an updated diet. So 
I talked about my whole diet plan and like what I've been doing in, I will tell you exactly which episode. It is on June 13th. So if you go to the pod- podcast app, um, app, you'll see the episode that I dropped on June 13th. It's a solo and I talk about like all health things, like what I've been eating, etc. So my diet is very high in protein because I work out pretty rigorously. And so I need that to support my workouts to make sure I'm building muscle tone and just constantly feeling satiated when I eat. I've noticed that ever since I started incorporating more protein into my diet, I have a lot more energy. I'm not hungry at all, really. Like I'm just completely satiated. And then I make sure that I'm having three meals a day. So this was something that I wasn't doing just because, you know, I would intermittent fast or it would just get busy during the day and I would forget to have lunch. And I felt that like I hit this like slump around 3 p.m. And it was obviously because I hadn't eaten enough. So now I make sure that I have three full meals every single day. And in terms of intermittent fasting, you guys know I'm a big or I was a big fan of intermittent fasting and I, or no, I am a big fan of intermittent fasting and I was doing it a lot. I have changed the hours into which I intermittent fast. No matter what, I will always make sure that there's a 12 hour gap between when I finish dinner and eat breakfast. But typically, you know, before sometimes I'd go into a 20, 18 to 20 hour fast. I no longer do that. Not because I, don't believe in it. I really do. It's just because I wanted to update my protein intake and it was really difficult for me to consume the amount of protein that was required for me to perform at the gym while doing these like very, very long fasts. So instead, typically my fasts now are between 12 to 14 hours. And I want to remind you guys that as you're on a health journey, I think it's okay to be fluid and change based on your current goals and where you are in life. I remember when I like I had decided based on conversations that I'd had with my nutritionist and doctor and trainers that like maybe I should like cut down how much I was fasting. I felt like very emotionally attached to the way that I was doing things and I and then I just did it with an open mind. I was like, it's fine. Like, I know I've been doing things this way, but like time to change things. And I just think it's really important to be fluid and not emotionally attached with like health things as well. So I will say that I'm also going to do with you guys a quick day in the life or in my life for food stuff, because you guys have been curious about like, what does a typical day look like for food for me? So I will I will tell you that. So today I was in a rush. I was coming into the studio to record podcasts at 10 a.m. So I had a smoothie at like I made my smoothie at 930 and I just had it while I was on my drive over to the studio. That smoothie contained blueberries, like frozen blueberries, frozen zucchini, half a cup of nut milk, water, protein powder, creatine, chia seeds, cinnamon, and some nut butter. So I want to make sure that when I'm making a smoothie that it contains really healthy sources of both protein, fats, and fiber and greens. So this is like, obviously, if you've read um, Body Love by Kelly Levesque, it's a very basic formula, but it really is a formula for something that's going to keep you full and satiated and 
you know, it's obviously very full of micronutrients as well, which is something that we definitely want. So today I had a smoothie for breakfast. My protein source was obviously within the smoothie because I had protein powder in it. For lunch, I'm going to go home and I'm going to make a salad and that salad will contain purple cabbage, which I've chopped up already. So it's easy to put together edamame beans, grated or like shaved carrots, like those like really thin pieces, a bunch of cilantro. And then it's going to have an Asian sesame miso dressing, which I made over the weekend. So it's sitting in my fridge. It's really easy to just put into the salad. And my protein source is a ton of shrimp, which I also made. And it's just like easy. It'll go into my salad. It's not something I ever have to think about. So with weekday meals, Everything is prepped in advance. So all I'm doing is just putting it together because I don't want a soggy salad to sit in my fridge. Instead, it's just much easier to assemble if the parts are already done. So that will be my lunch. And then for dinner, I will either have actually not plan what I'm having for dinner. It's like a little bit more fluid, but maybe tonight I'll do like some salmon and cauliflower rice or maybe steak and broccoli on the side. Sometimes I do like a protein, like chickpea pasta with some sort of a fish on the side. So I'm like really fluid with my dinner choice. But yeah, that's kind of my day when it comes to food. I will say that the amount of protein that I eat at every meal is between like 30 to 40 grams of protein. So you can see like I'm having a lot of protein at every meal. And as a result, I'm just not hungry in the middle. And so I don't need to be snacking. And so that's why I'm not listing off any snacks because I just don't feel hungry for any snacks in between. So that is kind of a day in my life when it comes to food right now as well, because my schedule is one that uh, I'm just I I like inherently end up traveling so much. And there is a few days of the week where I have to eat out, whether that's for lunch meetings or dinner obligations. Something that I discussed with my doctor and nutritionist is kind of like a whole 30 ish approach, even when I'm eating out, because inherently what tends to happen is if I am eating out a lot and there's like tons of dinners or whatever, I'll just end up eating, I don't know, like whatever is on the table. And it's not necessarily something that I would eat at home. And that kind of compounds, especially if it's like, I don't know, five, six meals of the week. And so now even when I go out to eat, it's like mostly kind of like protein and vegetable heavy, which, you know, no matter what, I've always ordered vegetables slash proteins when I eat out, but just like a little bit more akin to what I would eat at home. So that is like my approach for food right now. Granted, one of my goals, of course, is to make sure that so I'm actually carrying a little bit more weight than I'm comfortable with. And I say this not because there's something wrong with how I look or how I feel in my body, but I will say that we all know when maybe like we're carrying a little more than we're normally comfortable with. I did do a full in-body scan at my doctor's office and my body fat percentage had gone up very slightly. And so I'm just trying to bring that down to a place that I feel a little bit more comfortable, which is why I am doing a little bit more of a Whole30 style approach even when I'm eating out. Also because just the amount I've been eating out this summer has been really out of control. All right. So with that, those are all of the topics and questions that I have time for today. If you guys enjoy the solos, please let me know what topics you guys want me to continue to talk about. I am really enjoying doing them and I think it allows me to connect a little bit more deeply with you guys. And so 
Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people. Learn and unlearn and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.